Over the king's head, the counselors and the attendants exchanged glances of awed delight. When Pilates finally wound down, the king, his face blank, thanked him. He thanked the two men he'd begun the meeting with and suggested that perhaps they could finish their business at another meeting, or better, they could just give him a written summary and he would look it over sometime himself. They nodded. The king rose and escaped into the hall. Once there, with the door closed, he put his face in his hand. Thank God I didn't ask about fertilizer, he said. I do wonder if on a farm- Don't ask about fertilizer, you'll summon him! Atolians, I'm Noelle. And I'm Caitlin. And this is the Atolian Archives, your Queen's Thief reread podcast to get you through the wait for Return of the Thief, which is in only 296 days. It's November 3rd, 2019. Hope everybody had a good Halloween. Did anybody dress up as a Queen's Thief character? Let us know. On today's episode, we're getting into The King of Tolia, Chapter 4. In this chapter, routine is established, the king gets dressed, Costa takes a bath, Costa gets a package from a mysterious benefactor, everyone is forced to attend a lecture about wheat, and the king kicks everyone out of his apartment so he can sit in a chair. Or does he? So, we learn more about his attendants in this chapter, and interestingly, uh, they're all related to someone important, they're all related to a baron, but only one of them, it seems, is a baron's direct heir. Yeah, it's a lot of second sons, a lot of nephews. Mm -hmm. This is where you end up when you're noble-born, but you're not necessarily going to inherit. Mm -hmm. It says that, um, like, Sejanus is the leader, Hilarion is the oldest, and Philologos, who's the youngest, is the highest in rank as a baron's heir. So I'm guessing that means he's the only direct heir, right? Mm-hmm. The impression that I get from the attendants is like, Eugenides is the substitute teacher. <laughs> and they're the rowdy sixth grade class. Because they're, they're, I feel like because of all of these differences in, in rank and all of the little politics that they may have with each other, there could potentially be a lot of conflict within that group. Mm -hmm. But now Eugenides is there, so they're all united. Yeah. Against the common enemy <laughs> of how yes. how many pranks can we pull? I think that's a perfect metaphor. It, we've had a lot of uh, like school and being a, a, a teenager type analogies yeah. in this book so far. I feel like in a bunch of chapters we've ended up talking that way because yeah. it feels like that this like hyper-contained environment yeah, and of it's, the palace. It's the same type of, like, petty, spiteful, childish meanness. Yeah, and trying it's to get away with type things. Of, yeah, it's the same type of cruelty that you see in middle schools. <laughs> the way that, that the like, cliques form. The adult world does not really have this. And Jen is the much. new kid. Yeah. He, he just moved. <laughs> <laughs> He moved in from out of state. I also am wondering, I mean, uh, Jen's, I guess, social circle that we see in this book is mostly men. Only men, excepting the queen. Sometimes yeah. some of her attendants and, like, Hiro, maybe, kind of. Um, yeah, Jen's social circle has narrowed. Very gendered. To, yeah, when he's... 
in Edis, like in the Queen of Atolia, when there's a lot about the court in Edis, he does a lot of talking to women and kind of casually interacting with women. You don't get the sense that it's, like, stratified. There's also, I mean, they, Helen obviously has attendance Mm -hmm. and there is talk of her, like, she's standing in a group of women, she has a group of women with her, but it feels less like it's Helen and then ten women always following her around. But that's how it is here, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we like, maybe it is like that in Edis, and we just don't see it as much, because Jen's role in Edis was totally different. Yeah. So, like, so maybe if we it. did have a book following Helen around specifically, uh, we might, but I definitely I think that the formality is much stricter mm-hmm. here. And we were talking about the importance of trying to hold in your mind the image of the sheer amount of people who are around them at all times. Mm -hmm. Like, if Jen and Irene meet in the hallway... They're surrounded by 30 people. 30 people! (laughs) (laughs) At least, depending on 20 attendants and at least one squad of 10 guards. Yep. Maybe two squads for two of them. Who knows? The way that the attendants are messing with him is so blatant. Mm -hmm. Uh... And so stupid. Like, they just keep bringing out the wrong shirt. They bring out a shirt with the sleeves too short on purpose so that you can see his hook. Um, And I also think maybe the tailor probably miscut it on purpose, too. Yeah. They know that he wants to hide Mm -hmm. the hook, although they don't know why. And I also wanted to bring up, we can infer that they're not helping him actually bathe, and so that would tell them how ripped he is, (laughs) as we know from the end of the book. I love that he's hiding the fact that he's just jacked. That's so funny. funny. Like, oh, I must hide my (laughs) true self because I'm just really muscular and cool. (laughs) No one can know. (laughs) I wish those were my problems. I heard a Thomas which read it. (laughs) I want to see the Court of Atolia undercover boss. Wait a minute, we, that's, he's already done that. He literally did that, you're right. That's his whole shtick. We've figured out, oh my We've god. We've solved it, guys. The which reality title. TV show would be most appropriate for the Atolian court? We know which it is. <laughs> Jen and Costas' dynamic is developing in this chapter. It's mostly just Jen teasing Costas, but there are two moments when Costas almost starts laughing. He wants to be very like, I don't like him. <laughs> but it's right after the part we read for our intro, where Jen says, thank God I didn't ask about fertilizer. And it says, Costas almost laughed out loud. A glance told him that the others in the entourage were also amused, but they were smirking at the idea of the king sitting through another lecture. Only Costas shared the king's vision of the dedicated Pilates dropping handful after handful of various animal wastes onto the tabletop and discussing their individual merits. Costas is starting to understand him a little. Mm -hmm. And Costas does not have it out for him the way all these other people do. Yeah. Costas, as we said last time, is now, like, in this for the long haul. He's, He's making sure he's... He wants uh, to take it seriously. Yeah, so Costas wants to take it seriously. Even though Costas believes that Eugenides has it out for him. Right. But Costas isn't a petty person. Yeah. 
And if he is, he wants to get back at Eugenides by doing as good a job as he possibly can mm -hmm. and taking it as seriously as he thinks Jen doesn't. Mm -hmm. The king met Costas's eye and smiled. Costas looked away. When he looked back, the king's smile was gone as well. That this is a book so of sad. bisexuality, my friends. It is. I don't believe in giving authors credit for representation that might be there. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, Jen's bi and this yes. is absolutely <laughs> this a romance. Book is littered with evidence. <laughs> and that's the first moment, I think, when Jen meets his eye and smiles right there after the wheat meeting. <laughs> Because they're in cahoots mm -hmm. for just a second. Yeah. And Jen sends Costas the notes on the Mead language, although Costas does not know who sent them yet. Um, Jen just signs them from someone who wishes you well in your contest. He assumes it's Seginus, mm -hmm. even though that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> and he knows that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it also says the handwriting was square but uneven, as if the hand that held the quill had been shaking. Hmm. Or making eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Suspicious faces. I wonder who that could be. Who might be writing with their non-dominant hand, Costas. <laughs> Nobody asks the right questions. You've written in the notes, being an attendant has to suck. <laughs> yeah, because, I, I mean, like, kingship and being one of the people who surround kingship and queenship and etc., uh, that just has to be awful. They don't get weekends. They don't get times off. I mean, I'm talking about the entire group, including the king and queen, whatever. Like, mm -hmm. we don't know. Jen's life sucks, but also the attendants don't get a say in what they do in life either. They don't get to pick, you know. Yeah, just They're just with him all the time at all You're the youngest meetings. son of some third-rate baron. Yeah. You have to stand behind a dude and help him put his coat on. <laughs> yeah forever and they're with him like every minute of the day except for this one hour he gets to send them away and like when they sleep at night and that's it yeah that has to just totally suck there must be Unless a lot friends, of scheming but like also to get married for money mm -hmm. in this court i feel like the attendants are just that's their main concern getting married for money yeah you gotta get out of there yeah all of the maids who served the tudor queens were unmarried and then you generally just didn't see pregnant women at court because they were all like managing their estates after they left marriage back then probably kind of sucked just as hard because you didn't but get any options then either maybe being an attendant is like what you want to be doing if you're gay true in this world you know it's like becoming a nun <laughs> There's definitely stuff going on mm -hmm. among the attendants, which is another thing that there's so much about perspective. What aren't we seeing? Mm -hmm. Every person in this world has a complete life. And we get that impression from the way that the story moves to focus on different people, mm -hmm. but it can't focus on everyone. And so we're left to imagine that. Yeah. I will not be surprised at all if we, in Return of the Thief, learn a million new details about whatever was happening in this period of time. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Sejanus is doing stuff. Didi's doing stuff. Their father's doing stuff. Yeah. Cam is somewhere doing stuff. Aurelius is doing stuff. Ornan is doing stuff. Yeah. And you have your theory, which is that he's going to be really important, which <laughs> I am backing you 100% <sighs> on that one. The Minister of War is doing stuff. They're all... Yeah. What are they doing? All the pieces are moving. Mm-hmm. But we don't know where yet. I had another question. Mm-hmm. Um, why does Jen in this chapter pretend to be lost and angry about being lost and then lead them to the wrong place in like past the offices with a bunch of people and then like into an office onto a balcony on the wrong side of an atrium and then they have to like retrace their steps and then go around the atrium and then get to his rooms why does he do that like is it just part of his i'm a bumbling fool and can't find my way around persona or like the surface reason is definitely to make them think that they've succeeded in confusing him because they lead him on circuitous wrong mm-hmm. routes. Um, and so they, what they expect is that he doesn't know how to get around. Mm-hmm. And so he's reinforcing that. But it does feel significant. That being said, so he's trying to infirm, he's trying to affirm their impressions that they're winning. So is the anger that Costas sees him feeling like sitting with his jaw locked ignoring Sejanus is that also feigned this setting of the balcony over the atrium uh and it says if you wanted to get to the other side you'd have to sprout wings and fly Mm -hmm. it recalls the short story where Jen jumps the courtyard as a child yeah um he jumps over an atrium just like this yeah and so what I would imagine he's feeling at that moment is that this is a jump I used to be able to make Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I could make it anymore oh my god Noel Jen wants all doors to be open to him and I don't I don't remember if this spot comes back it does it does yeah it's a very symbolic atrium He also says, I'm going back to my room. He says, my room, twice. Uh, Which is an interesting word choice because he's the king. He has rooms. He could even have apartments. But he's still in the mindset that, like, I have my room. Also, it's very teenage, very (laughs) adolescent, very whiny. I'm going to my room. He uh, he likes to be able to close the door and be in his room and not think about this whole elaborate thing he's gotten himself into. Mm-hmm. In this chapter, we do see it again at the beginning that you, like you have the guard room, and then so when you walk in the guard room, to your right is Jen's bedroom and it opens directly in there, and then to your left is the wardrobe, mm-hmm. and then there's maybe another door. We don't see anything else, and when. Sophos goes in there. They meet in the bedroom to talk. So if they had a receiving room. Another thing in this chapter is um, Jen obviously gets help to dress because he's the king, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but Costas also gets help to dress. True. A valet dresses him. A valet. <laughs> and when he runs, he has to hold his sword in one hand so it doesn't slap against his leg. And put his hand on his breastplate so it doesn't ride up. Which seems really impractical if this is stuff you're supposed to be going into battle with. Yeah, don't they have to run in battles? But the queen's guard 
are mostly decorative. He's probably not wearing the same breastplate that he would wear in battle, and if he were in battle, he would have his sword out. Costas has really been taken out of his natural environment. Yeah. <laughs> Give him a quest. I want to know what his life was like on a farm. Like, can you imagine? He was probably, Super like, bored? throwing bales of hay around <laughs> with his shirt off and looking beautiful. <gasps> That's really why he left. He was too handsome. They had to... <laughs> They had to send him somewhere else. They had to... Like, he was distracting everyone. <laughs> We've arrived at this theme again. I'm a guard that's too handsome. <laughs> He's beaten out Legorus with sheer sincerity. I love that we don't get any indication of that, of his looks in this book. And then Camet mentions it like five times <laughs> in Thickest Thieves. <laughs> because this book is from Costas's perspective, and yeah. Costas doesn't think about it. Is Jen actually just sitting in the chair staring out the window? when Costas is 10 feet away with an open door. This has always baffled me because I feel like he has to be up to something, but also Costas can hear his weight moving in the chair. Right. So I, but also, well, that's Costas's assumption is that he would be able to hear if the king was moving. But we know that, you know, Jen snuck by on silent feet to meet them in that other place and no, then disappeared. But it's not what he doesn't hear, it's what he does hear. It says he mm. hears him shifting in the chair. No, it says... It does. He doesn't. Wait, let's pull it up. <laughs> yeah, it oh, says. Oh, no, you're right. Says... You're right. So far. Oh, he's gone. Oh, yeah, he's not there. But Costas, <laughs> I don't know. It says. He's one, one hundred percent not in that room. I don't think so, though, because couldn't Costas just step in if he needed? Like, well, I guess Jen is assuming. That he Costas would never is do that. Orders. And he's going to follow orders. He's going to stand where the king told him to stand. That is a kind of big risk to take, but uh, Jen likes risk and hasn't gotten to take any in a long time. And he's a good judge of what people will do. Interesting. Hmm, okay. So we do think he wasn't there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it says, So far as Costas could tell, by listening for sounds of shifting weight in the chair, the king didn't move. So far as Costas could tell. Okay, yeah, he's yeah. not there. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Costas wonders how Jen takes his seal ring on and off um, and tries doing it himself, taking a ring off without his right hand. using his right hand. Um, and what I get from this scene is uh, Irene takes it off for him. Oh, but I nobody knows that. that. Yeah, because Costas wonders who put it back on for him, and if the attendants would wonder how Jen got it off. Yeah. That's chapter four. Next time, Relius reaches the end of his career. Send us your comments, questions, thoughts. Chime in at atolianarchives.tumblr.com. Have a holiday. Get a cup of coffee. Chat with your sweethearts. Be blessed in your endeavors. podcasts anywhere podcasts are available i'm going to my room